0: Let's just pray, let's just pray and let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father, we come before your throne of grace. Father, it's no accident that we are gathered here, O Master. Lord, you ordain our steps, is what your word says. Lord, everyone who's out here is here with a purpose. And Father, so much more today, O Master, because your spirit dwells so heavily in this place. Father, because you ordain our times on this earth. You you ordain our relationships. You ordain the people that we are in touch with. And Father, we know that you marked us with a purpose. Father, you know us by name. Father, I pray that you will reveal by your spirit the word that you need to speak to each one of us today, O Master. Lord, even as we share from the word, O Master, Lord, open revelation to us personally, O Jesus. For you are a God of whose voice is like the sound of many waters. Let it become individual to each one of us, O Master. Speak to us. Lord, even as Arun was sharing, this is a time for a miracle for certain people who are at a desperate place in their life. Father, be the miracle worker for them today, O Master. Father, you are here in our midst, O Jesus. For your word says, if two or three are gathered, I am there. It's your promise, O Jesus. Father, it was the very word of God that you're going to be in our presence. Father, we can sense your presence here, O Lord. Father, bless the speaking of the word. Uh, Holy Spirit, teach us and be the teacher today, O Master. Lord, let Your anointing presence be strong in this place. Lord, what's going to arise from this place, O Lord? Just like Pastor Joel prophesied, let there be revival into this land, O Jesus. Yes, Master. Let it cause revival, O Jesus. We thank You, O Jesus. Let let homes be opened up, O Master. Let ministries be opened up, O Lord. Because you you are a pu- you are you're the governor of the church, father, and we respect you, we honor you, we glorify you in Jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. 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 are you all excited to be here yes. praise God As nothing is an accident right uh, in the all in all of our lives we think some things are in chaos but everything has an order in that right he just o- orchestrates everything and the Holy Spirit does that. Uh, many times uh, God has told me, remember Martha had this problem, you know. Martha had this, he told, Jesus told Martha something very special. And this week I, I was kind of meditating on that. He said, you are concerned about many things. In fact, just before that, the author of uh, the gospel says that she was distracted with much serving. And Jesus said, you are you're concerned about many things, but there's only one thing that is needed. You just, you just hang on to my word, everything else works out. Food will arrive at the right time. The guests will come at the right time. The kids will be quiet. <laughs> 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 just be bothered about one thing. Just stay with the word and everything else works out. And that's the thing about our life. We try to control too many variables in our life. We cannot. We are not designed for care. God has never designed human beings, you and me, for care. He said, cast your cares upon me. Alleluia we We are not designed we have when god God knows us, right yes. He designed us he says you you are not designed for care, so you just cast the care on me i 'll care for you Wow, that 's a good deal i 'll take that any time but for for generations and generations of time, we refuse to let God do what He knows best, handle care. in fact, the Bible says that a young lion when he cries in the forest, who looks at him God i mean. If you really want to start taking cares of the world, there's a lot of stuff to take care. But he can take care. So just just learn to put a cast your cares upon him. And I think that's a word for somebody. Too much of cares. Too much of cares. Too many variables in our life. Just imagine. With all the variables constant, if one variable changes in our life, we are worried about that. Can you imagine if God just decides, let it all go free. Let everything change. (laughs) There will be chaos. Job had a season in his life when everything that was constant changed. Everything, his life, his children, his prosperity, his house, everything was constant. All he was worried about was whether his children were sinning, so he decided to take care, take upon that care, and started to offer sacrifices in fear. He said, I'm worried that after their wild parties, that they don't sin, so let me go and offer sacrifice." So all the things were constant. There was one care that he decided that God cannot manage. I can manage. And guess what? Didn't work out. Because he said, all that I feared has come upon me. All that I feared. Because man cannot control the cares. You cannot control it. I mean, just give it up. Tell Jesus, you take care of it. You take care of it. And Jesus made a statement. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart for my yoke is easy and my labor is light and my burden is light when Jesus says and I want you to say I, it is not part of the notes but I'm telling you I feel very strongly here when Jesus says take my yoke upon you he's actually telling you to take a burden correct what is a yoke for an ox the yoke is everything that is connected to the yoke the car the, the goods and everything so Jesus is also making a demand on you saying that why don't you let go of your yoke that you're carrying and take my yoke? Because my yoke is very light. So he's not really telling you to take a burden. He's saying, take my yoke. My yoke is very light. My yoke is very light. Take my burden. So what it means is, he's telling, make an exchange today. Make an exchange in your life. Decide to lay down your cares and take my care. Guess what? My cares is easy. You will love. Things will all start working out. And all your burden, I will take care. Cast all your cares on me. The American life is difficult, correct? You think of so many variables and technology and everything. But, I mean, think about it. All throughout Jesus' life, he never once complained that he did not get a text. He never once complained that he did not have a new phone. He never complained that he had to travel. uh, There was traffic on the way. He never once complained that, The house was not enough, there he stayed. He never, I mean, things that we are so worried about. There is not a single mention in the Bible where Jesus was worried about infrastructure or conveniences, nothing. Why? It was taken care. He wanted a large room in the last day of the Passover. Guess what? He said, follow the man with the pot who he goes to ask him that the master needs it. The pot was provided. Once a group of people came to collect temple tax from him. He said, Who should pay the tax? The children or the foreigners? Peter said, The foreigners. But let me not offend them. You go to the sea, uh, catch a fish, and the first fish that comes up, open the mouth and give a tax. Start paying your IRS taxes. Can you imagine? A new paradigm shift. We're talking about a new shift. I mean, it was... Nothing has changed. There were taxes then, there's taxes now. There's traffic then, there's traffic now. Everything's changed. But there was never a priority for Jesus because he said all these things will be taken care of. In fact, I, I just think about it. The more conveniences we have, it's supposed to solve our cares, right? Amazingly, those conveniences have taken a care of its own. <laughs> I mean, we, I did not have fires. Verizon fires for one day. I was calling everybody. <laughs> I called up the manager, the supervisor. I, I was losing my cool. I was like, one day, I didn't have internet. One day. Just one day. And I had to, I made a fuss and the guy was angry. And, uh, and I've lived many years without the internet. <laughs> I never missed it. But God is good. I think there's a reason why he's telling us to do that. Cast your cares upon it. Start learning it. There is no limit to the variables that you want to control if you want to do it. Are you ready to cast your cares on him? A paradigm shift, 2012, cast your cares on him. Try living it. Believe me, you cannot make your boss give you a promotion. <laughs> You'll have tried it, right? Doesn't work. Don't, don't create Ishmael's out of your efforts. Let Isaac's happen to you. Amen? Ishmael's are painful. We live with Ishmael's now. We're still solving the problem of Ishmael. Let Isaacs happen to you. Let the blessing happen to you. Let the favor of God happen to you. Let grace happen to you. Let grace happen to you. Let grace happen to you. Great. I think today's life team is very important and we, we said in the message that this life team is going to be a transition point. God is telling us to really expand and grow and multiply. But we need to be equipped. We need to meet everybody's needs. And God is raising new leaders as part of our life team. And today would be a time to consecrate them and anoint them but more importantly there's a message that God is telling us and nothing is out of miss and out of line with God everything has a season and a purpose something done before does not work something done afterwards does not work but in its time everything is perfect right the Bible says he makes all things beautiful in its time in its time you know Um, and uh, I, I think I think we are in a season where God there's a great explosion of growth that is happening and God is telling, get your nets ready because the harvest is going to be large and you cannot handle it. And he, we need leaders who can do it. And God is telling, be ready. And the reason why God is telling this is very powerful. And we'll go to the passage today. And let me title this pa- message as... How many of you liked the message last time? Walking in the light? Yeah. That was powerful. That was powerful. Uh, God spoke some powerful things. I'm just I'm just discovering... We just." stretched a very small layer of walking in light the whole concept we thought of light as being photons he's not talking about that light at all he's talking about the revelation that you have in christ jesus regarding everything in your life and jesus walked in light he's expecting you walk in light you will not stumble you will not stumble and that's a privilege and we as believers have never walked in an authority where we can walk in light and if you have not got that we can give you the cds or the cassettes for that ask, ask, you can always email me and we'll send it. We're trying to upload it and you should be able to get that. But do your own study on light. Every time, look at light in a new perspective in the Bible. Totally different. Walking in light. A new level that we need to walk as believers. But today's message is, The God, the God of abundance is also the God of one. The God of abundance is also the God of one. I want you to go to... John chapter six All good things begin with John and, and Priya said, Amen. <laughs> John six John six um, The God of Abundance is also a Lord of One. We we have, uh, I don't know whether we are used to it, but we need to discover a God who gives you more than enough. Amen? And if you have not experienced a God that <clears throat> gives you more than enough, you have not really discovered the God of the Bible. Maybe you're follow, you're, we, we are following a foreign God who is very stingy and very, very, what's the alternate word? <laughs> uh, very tight. Uh, He doesn't measure out His blessings. The God of Israel and the God that you and I serve is not a God who gives out blessings by measure. He gives out His Spirit without measure. He gives out everything in your life without measure. He is a God of more than enough. But we have lived with a God in our mind who is very measured. He gives you only according to your righteousness. That's not a God of the Bible. That's a God of your tradition. That's a God that your church has taught you. You need, to, you need to renew your minds to read what the Bible talks about the God of more than enough. But we are really not talking about that today. We are telling the God of this abundance that He's promised in the word of God is also a God of one. Who cares for one. Who cares for the smallest thing. Now that's a total contrast of a God that we need to recognize. Let's go to John chapter 6. Let's, we, and we have, we have gone, gone through this passage many times about the passage of five loaves and five thousand. And let's read this. And after these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias. And there was a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were d- diseased. Now Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover a feast of the Jews were near. Then Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing what? A great multitude. A great multitude. Did Jesus ever court people? Did he ever advertise? Did he ever put his ministry on Facebook? (laughs) But people found him out. In fact, he had a problem with people. In the sense, he said, don't tell them about my miracle because I cannot manage this crowd, I cannot manage some more because my ministry is going to get hindered. In fact, there is a verse where he says, do not tell because great crowds were pressing to him and he was not able to minister properly. He was not after crowds, but yet crowds found him. Isn't it? Interesting. Interesting. The God of more than enough. Once you are with God, crowds will come. Crowds will come. Crowds will come. And a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, wow, we studied this long time back in one of the sessions. He said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? now this he said to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do <laughs> just typical of God in our lives you know every time we, he look at you and say so Anil what are you going to do about it so immediately we go, go to work <laughs> you know he's really not looking for that he's looking for you to go back and tell him so Lord I, I hear you what are you going to do about it and he says yeah you got it you know but we we always mess it up with God God says, what are you going to do about it? And you turn around and start working. He said, you missed it, buddy. <laughs> Let me try again. Some other situation. Then he'll leave you and come back for a season. And he'll say, what are you going to do about it? And you immediately jump and start working. And God, God says, why can't this guy get it? Why can't he tell me to take care of it? See, what, so next time when God asks you, what are you going to do about it? You're going to say, what are you going to do about it, God? Hey, see, Cast your cares upon him. You got it? So totally always always you have to get in you have to you have to renew our minds from a god that you have learned which is not the god of bible the god of the bible says my strong ham has made for me a salvation he said none of your everyone goofed up nobody's following the law everybody's messed up i'm going to create my own salvation i'm going to send my me myself come down to earth me become as a son die and I will believe and i'll have faith and I want you to Totally. You just, just believe that I have taken care of everything. And you say, that, is, that, is, that looks too easy. He, he's telling you to do the easy part. But for generations and generations, we refuse to do the easy part. Now, Philip, classic case. Where do we buy bread that these may eat? Now, interesting. Uh, Jesus picked up Philip because Philip knows the locality. Bethsaida is close to this place where the miracle is happening. So, he's talking about a guy who knows the, knows the roots. Right? So it's almost, it's so much more easy for Philip to lean on his understanding than for him to ask Judas, where do we get food? He will immediately say, I don't know, where do you think we will get food? But Philip knew the place. So if Philip's answer was, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, then each one of them will have a little. So he totally went off the geography and started going into the... Ministry of Judas. Now, Judas should have got up and said, Hey, 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 hold it, Baradi. You know, that's my department. I'll take care of the money. You just tell where to get the bread. So, Philip is answering Judas's question. Stop answering other people's questions, right? <laughs> do your ministry, right? Just worried about what God has called you to do, right? Your ministry is tell Jesus where to get bread. You don't tell Jesus where to buy the bread, just tell him where to get the bread. Don't tell Jesus where the money is going to come from. Let him ask Judas about the money. Because Judas will need to walk in that anointing, right? To believe that the money is enough, correct? Right? All this Philip has to say is, I know the locality. This is the place you can get bread. And Jesus was like, great is your faith. Because I know that there is not enough bread in that place. But you believe that I can get bread from there? You got faith. No, he blew it. Now Philip answered and said 200 denarii. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, What was the response? There is a land here who has five loaves, barley loaves and two small fish. But what are these among so many? The answer almost looks similar, correct? There is not enough money. There is not enough fish. But there is a difference in Philip's and Andrew's perspective. What is the difference? What is the difference between Philip and Andrew? Andrew had some hope that Jesus could do something. To Correct. Correct. And more, more than that is what did Andrew see? Without going theological, what did he see? That no, no, no. That's, that is theology. <laughs> he, he a what did he see? Yeah, that's, that, that's how you and I think. But he's—he re- what did he really see? Potential, man. You guys are too spiritual. <laughs> Can you get this so from first graders to say he might tell you what did Philip see? What did Andrew see? He saw some limitations, man. Man, spiritual limitations, problems. But what did Philip see? Good. You're like getting close, huh? He saw food, but he really didn't see food. What did he see? He saw five bread. What else? He saw two fishes. What else? He saw a lad. Before you can see the food, you need to see the lad, right? I mean, I know if it is Ben, he'd look at the food first. I couldn't pass that on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Andrew saw the lad. No one saw the lad. Philip saw a multitude. But Andrew saw the lad. You see, there's a big problem with us Christians. We see the crowd. We don't see the guys in the crowd. They don't, we don't see the lad. You know, that's the ministry that Jesus and I is looking for. Can you see the, the person behind the crowd? Because your answer and your calling is there. It's not about people. It's not about big churches. It's not about... It's, can, you, can you see the guy? Can you, can you actually see the man who's sitting next to you? I mean, we sit on service after service in our churches. Do you remember the guy who you sat next to last Sunday? It's all a blur, right? Because you don't have the eyes of Andrew. Because you are not seen. You missed, you missed ministry. We have all missed ministry completely. And Jesus is saying, Andrew saw the lad. He saw the lad because the lad had the solution. But Andrew didn't see the solution. He didn't see potential. He didn't see nothing. He just saw. I see a lad. And this lad has food. That's it. All that God is looking for us, in our ministry, is can you see the persons that are in touch with you in your life? Can you actually see? Can you really spend time? Can you actually look into his eyes? Can you look at their lives? Or everything is a blur. You know, we have uh, 200 people on our Facebook connections, but we don't know one guy properly. No. I got 500 on my LinkedIn. I barely can count. One, I can actually pick up a phone, call and talk. Because everything is just a blur. Everything is just numbers. I mean, everything is... You know, how many of you know your neighbors that you live around your house? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> you know, how, how, sometimes it's so surprising. Sometimes in a live team, do you know the kid names of the kids of your friends? We don't know. Because we don't see the lad in the multitude. And God is telling to come a paradigm shift. God wants ministry to be done on a person level. If you cannot reach that land, there's no point of reaching a multitude. You need to know the man. You need to see beyond a crowd. You need to see beyond your job. You need to see beyond your company. You need to see beyond a, a big church. You need to see... Lord. What's my purpose? How can I reach that one person? How can I meet that one person's need? And God is really not... Con- He's not seeing a big burden on you and I. He's just saying, Can you know that one lad? Can you just know one lad? You know, Andrew is referenced in the Bible in just three or four places. Just two or three places. The first time. You know something? Andrew, who is the first disciple of Jesus? Matthew, good. Next. Not, it's not Matthew. Who is the first disciple of Jesus? The first disciple that Jesus called? John? No? Peter? No? Andrew! The first disciple that Jesus called was Andrew. You, you, you Do you realize why Jesus would not call Andrew? Because the guy sees. He can see people. He can see beyond a multitude. But interestingly, before Andrew was Jesus' disciple, he was John's disciple. All good things begin with? (laughs) Okay, I want you to go to John chapter... John chapter 1, verse 35. And the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked he said behold the Lamb of God the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus John the Baptist now this talks about ministry we are talking about ministry today big time I'm telling you he'll have some revelation that will blow your mind John sowed two of his main disciples into Jesus' ministry talk about being unselfish he so, two of his disciples. Now, we on the other hand, hey, you're coming to our church, make sure you stay with our church, right? <laughs> you're coming to our life team, don't go to another life team, right? Or you are my friend, don't befriend that guy, right? But John was a totally different example. He said, You see Jesus out there, go follow him. And these two guys followed him, and Andrew was one of them. And what did Andrew do after he met Jesus? John chapter 1 verse 41 one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother he first found, the first thing he did the first thing Andrew does is he first found his own brother Simon and said to him we have found a the first thing that Andrew did after he was called by Jesus, Jesus did not even start the ministry, the first thing he did was what? He went and called Peter and said, We have found the Messiah. He called people. He called people. He called people. I want you to go back to John chapter 6. So Andrew found Peter, Andrew found the lad. John sowed Andrew into Jesus' ministry. And Jesus could hear and hear here was there is a lad here who has five loaves and two fishes. But what are these among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Because now he had a solution. Now he had food. John 6. And we are not going to the miracle of the uh, feeding of the 5,000. But look at it. John chapter 6, verse 12. Now, Jesus, after they were all filled, we know the miracle. Jesus said this Gather up the fragments that remain so that what? nothing is lost nothing is lost verse 11 after Jesus gave thanks he distributed it to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted say as much as they wanted As as much as I want I receive but God is expecting you to be a steward of the leftovers God is expecting you to be a good stewards of the abundance that is going to come into your life. Are you all ready to handle abundance this year? See, you, you, many times God is not able to bring stuff into your life is because you are going to waste it away. You are not going to be good stewards of the abundance that comes into your life. Here is an example where God... Here is a God of more than enough, correct? He really didn't have to give them more food than that was necessary. But yet... Jesus makes tells him what? Gather up the fragments so that what? Nothing is lost. My question to you and I is why is Jesus so concerned about the leftovers? That he will share with others, okay? But he could have created more food. Why was he so worried about the leftovers? yeah I like that but why didn't he want to waste it we just showed that God is a God of more than enough yeah. no, why did he not why did he want to waste, not waste it he could have created more teachers not, to be wasteful. teachers not to be wasteful but still how does it answer the pr- question is if a God is go- more than enough yeah. there can be abundance why 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 to them. correct there were two reasons that he did that Remember, the miracle was never noticed until until the baskets were gathered. Why? Because the miracle happened not as a heap. The miracle happened as they were passing out. That's how ministry is prosperous. The ministry does not prosper. God does not just exalt one person and just exalt it. God multiplies true ministry in the breaking of bread. In your giving in. It just explodes. You won't even realize that church has grown. Your life team has grown. Your ministry has grown. Your influence has grown. Until you start gathering your leftovers and you say, Boy, that's a whole lot of people that has been touched by my life. Amen? Amen? That's when they realize and say, Wow, this is from the five laws? Let me ask you a question. Verse 13, therefore they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of what? They they gathered the fragments of what? Of 5 barley loaves. Is that correct? Isn't these the fragments of the 50,000 loaves? Isn't it? Is this the fragments of the five barley loaves or is it the fragments of the 50,000 loaves? How is it the fragments of the five loaves? Good question. Good answer. You would wonder that these are the... Actually, these were the fragments of the loaves that multiplied, correct? Because each one... Because they had the problem then as we have it today. I don't want the edges. (laughs) (laughs) you notice that they didn't gather of leftover fish people like meat then they like meat now they will eat the bone and the fish and the scale and everything <laughs> i mean like Stan you know <laughs> everything you know nothing is left but you know vegetables there will be stuff left you know bread there will be stuff left but meat nothing left you know nothing left but there is leftovers of the bread why but there's two reasons. First, to prove the miracle. Second, God's attitude towards things and people are the same. God's attitude towards things and people are the same. He values every one of them. Because if he was wasteful with all the rest, what does it show of a character of a God who does not care for individuals but is worried about multitudes? What does he ta- what, what, where, where is the potential for you and I to stand when there are more talented people, there are more great people, there are more uh, greater churches, there are greater teams, there are greater family members, there are more exalted. What, where does that give you a chance? When he says, "I care of every leftover, every person, I don't want to lose one, because the God of abundance is a God of one. He wants to go after you. He cares for you. He he, he might have a billion people as the science of the sea. He might have a billion stars that he's created, but he still knows you by name. He still knows you. He still knows you. Let me give you an example. To so encourage you. I want you to look chapter... Let's go to Luke chapter chapter Luke. I'll come to it. Luke chapter, I think it's Luke chapter. Luke chapter three. I want you all of you all to go to that chapter. It'll just encourage you so much. Luke chapter 3. Verse 1. Somebody can read that loud. Now in the 15th year of Herod Dick, being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Ituria, and the region of Traconitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, while Amos and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Wow! Do you get that? Did he get that? Let me break it down for you. In the 15th year, of Tiberius Caesar Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea Herod was the tetrarch of Galilee, Philip was the tetrarch of Euteria Ananias and Caiaphas were the high priest the word of God came to John in the wilderness the word of God will seek you out brothers and sisters He will will bypass emperors, palaces, kings, high priests, governors, everybody to find you in your wilderness and reach you. He will bypass everybody. The word of God did not go to Caesar. The word of God did not go to Pilate. The word of God did not go to the high priest in Jerusalem. Ananias and Caiaphas did not go to the governors. He did not go to the king of Israel, Herod. He did not go to anybody. The word found its way to a man that was seeking. He found a way. Because he's a God of one. He's not he's not impressed by Rome and all his glory. that, That time Rome was in all his glory. He's not impressed. He's not impressed by kings and kingdoms. He's not impressed by houses and have-nots. He's not impressed by palaces. He's not impressed by empires that you would create. He's not impressed by the businesses that you have. He's not impressed by the billions that you accumulate. He will come to you if you seek Him. He cares for the one. He'll care for you. You have hope. You have hope. The Word of God will come to you. Say the Word of God will come to me. Remember the prophecy that came to this live team at the beginning of the year with two things. How many of you remember that? The word was His eyes are upon you this year. And second, freely you have received, freely give. Two things and it's going to happen. The eyes of the Lord are upon you. Matthew chapter 10 verse 29. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one falls apart. From the will of Father. Can you think of it? If God keeps a track of sparrows. Now this is Jesus saying. Say God. God. I say Jesus, you say God. Okay? Jesus? 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 Jesus. Says. Says. Jesus? Good. I like I'll tell you why I said that. This week God was telling me, saying that every time you see Jesus in the gospel, replace it with God. You will value my words a little bit more. It is Jesus's words. He's saying, "God cares for every sparrow." If he says, "No, not one sparrow in this world will die without the, without the, without apart from the will of the Father." You talk about variables that God controls. He is worried about sparrows. He says, "How much more are you not valuable?" He values you. He values you. Verse. Matthew ten verse thirty gives me great hope. He says, "Every hair of your head is numbered." I want all my hairs to be numbered, right? I mean, I'm having a tough time keeping the rest on my head. <laughs> but every hair is numbered. He 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 cares for one. He cares for one hair. He numbers your hair. I mean, say God, Jesus. No. Says, your hairs are numbered. Your hairs are numbered. Your hairs are numbered. Your hairs are numbered. I mean, he's bothered about one hair on your head. His name's hair is numbered, and w- chapter ten verse thirty-one. You are val- you are more valuable than many sparrows. Second, that's the value of one. Say the value of one. One. I, am to God. I am valuable to God. Now always remember that in your life, in your ministry everywhere. You are valuable. He will bypass emperors, kingdoms, princesses, everything, but you're valuable. He knows you by name. You're valuable. Second, the ministry to one. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Somebody read that? <laughs> Correct. If you give, Jesus says, if you give one cup of water to one of my disciples, say one, one, you will not lose your reward. Now, just look at the potential. Now, you talk about if you're smart and you can, you value the reward that God exists and that in heaven you're going to get a reward, and you're smart and you recognize that. And you want to maximize your reward out here, correct? He says, you give a cup of water. He doesn't even say ordinary water. Cold water. Just give a cup of cold water to one. Say one. One. You will not lose a reward. He is concerned about ministry to even one disciple. He values it. He values ministry to even just one disciple. Then Matthew chapter 12, verse 12. He says, if one sheep falls into the pit... The shepherd will leave the others and f- go after him. Ministry to one. You say, no, no, but my, everybody is great in my life team, or everybody is great in my relationship, or everybody that God has put in your life uh, that you are accountable for is doing well. But God is not going to ask you about them. He's going to ask you about the one that did, was was gone away. Because he wants to know, he wants to not lose even one. Why? Because he has the same attitude about that as he about with everything. He cares about sparrows. He, do you think he's not going to care about people he's going to care about you and I and he's, he's going to care about the people that he's put you stewards over He, you are responsible and he says no, no I'm not in ministry I don't want to get into ministry after this message <laughs> but check out the potential of rewards he says if you give one of my little ones a cup of water just check it out what I'm going to do because I care so much do you In incorporate ladders in politics, you have, you run to you always want to do what pleases and matters to the boss the best, correct? You don't want to do the things that he doesn't bother about, but the things that matter to him most, you like to be good at that, right? That's how it is, it's natural. Do you want to do, you want to do things that matter to the king of kings? He says, Take care of my one, take care of my one. ministry of one, the responsibility of one. John chapter 17, verse 12. Jesus lived by the same things that he called about. John chapter 17, verse 12. John chapter 17, verse 12. When I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. Not one of them is lost, except the son of perdition not one, say one in Jesus ministry he did not lose even one disciple that he was accountable for he will not lose you and I he will not lose you and I you can be, you can be assured you, if you ever had a tension that I am going to depart from the faith, you trust Jesus will give you up, no you trust him, He's a good steward of you if you have committed your life to Jesus, he will keep you he will keep you. He will not lose you. He said, I have not lost one. I have not lost one. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. Somebody can read that? Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. And now thus says the Lord the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I will leave you. I call you by your name. You are mine. Jesus said, God told to, uh, he, told, he says this to Jacob, he says this to Israel, he's telling to you and I, he said, I have called you, I have called you by name, you are mine, I have called you by name, I want you to just get the realization this evening time, God has called you, put your name there, God has called you pretty by name. A God has called you Alex by name. A God has called you Robin by name. God has called you Sarika by name. He's called you. He's called you. He's called you Jerry by name. You are mine, he says. You are mine. I know you by name. I know you by name. You are not just somebody that was named by your parents. I knew by you by name before I created you. I know you. I know you Bobby by name, God says. I know you Jordan by name. Your mind, God says, your mind, no, He knows you by name. He, when somebody knows you by name, He has a claim on you. Correct? You only name things that you have ownership of. That is one of the reasons why God told Adam to name all the animals. Because He said, I want you to have dominion over the animals. So name them. Name them. Name them. God, but God has called you by name. That's why he changes all of your name in heaven. He says, I'm going to put on you a new name. Because I'm going to change. I am I'm the owner. I am the boss. You, I own you. I own you because I value you. Names throughout the Bible. Now, you love this. Names throughout the Bible that happened to, which happen in, in a gospel narrative is no accident. Did you know the name of the man who carried Jesus' cross? Uh, what is the name of uh, what is the name? Sibian. Sibian. The name of the man who carried Jesus' cross was? Simon. Do you know his son's name? How do you all know that? <laughs> She's smart. Do you know the sons, the children's name of Simon, the one who carried his cross? How do you know that? How many of you knew that the names of their sons are in the Bible? Rufus and Alexander. Now why would the gospel narrative put the names of the children of this, of the man who carried the cross of Jesus? Because very, very likely that they became believers and they were part of the church. Right? In fact, uh, Paul talks about a Rufus in Romans chapter 16. Could be the same Rufus, could be somebody else, but it says that you matter. So in the throng of Jesus going into his death, in the throng of all Jerusalem, God made a point to say, note that guy's name. Not his son's name. Why? How many of you know Rufus and Alexander? But God knows them. It is there for us, and 2,000 years later, we are still talking about a Simon and a Rufus and an Alexander. Why? Because you matter. Your names matter. It's a ministry of not of people. And you need to get. You need to get this. We have looked. You have to start looking at ministry beyond. Oh, I just need to have a big church. I just need to have a. If, I'm not, if I don't have a big church, then I'm not successful if I don't have a great ministry I'm not successful no who cares can you reach a Simon Peter can you connect a Simon Peter to his source Andrew had did only two things he connected Simon Peter to Jesus and he brought a lad to Jesus and we still talk about Andrew do you want to have a ministry of Andrew because when the loaves are counted it will still be accounted to the five, not the fifty thousand. Let me repeat. And I want you to get this. I I don't know whether you are missing it. When the loaves are counted, in the end of time, it will still be accounted to the five barley loaves of that lad, not to the fifty thousand who partake of it. It is still called the barley loaves of the lad, not of Andrew. Not of Philip, not of anybody, of the man who gave it. Ministry matters. Can you imagine if that lad was not discovered by Andrew? His reward in eternity would have been lost. Because he had the potential, but nobody connected him to the source. Can you connect people to their source? The source is Jesus. Just connect them. You just walk out, let them, let let Jesus handle them. Don't worry about discipling them in terms of, you know, oh, they need to know the right doctrine. Yes! there is a, there's a level of responsibility that you and I have to teach but beyond that let that not hinder you from not even taking the first step of connecting them go and call the Simon Peter tell him you found the Messiah let Simon Peter handle his relationship with God Amen can you do the ministry of Andrew ministry of Andrew is not difficult just talk to the guy that, who is known social networking I was telling some couples when we were looking for the life teams and they are telling that Jesus was the first Facebook user. The way he called people was people that he knew. Uh, uh, Andrew was one of the disciples of John that Jesus knew. Andrew went and called Peter because Peter was on Andrew's Facebook. And then uh, uh, Nathaniel and Philip happened to be from Bethsaida, from the same town as Philip and Andrew. I'm sure they were also on the Facebook James and John happened to be partners in the business which Peter and Andrew were. Talking about half the people are already connected through relationship. Forget about ministry, calling, nothing. Because God does not connect people in your life by accident. He connects people in your life by purpose. And Jesus recognized it right away. He didn't waste his time praying and meditating on what the ministry should be, what the people should be, because he knows, his father knows, my father will not put anybody in my life without a purpose. Can you imagine how many purposeful lives have passed by in your life that you have not impacted and you're never going to meet again? Let not the rest of your lives be lost. Discover the lad, connect them to Jesus. Discover Peter, connect them to Jesus. Don't worry about ministry in terms of great, big, you know, I don't have the gifts of teaching, I don't have the gift of evangelism. No. Do you have the gift of connecting? Can you connect people? You can. Can you say, I found the way, I found the gospel, I found this. Oh, this guy seems to know the truth. Can you go and talk to him? Just connect. Just start connecting people. And God says, I want that ministry. He knows you by name. Do you know the Malchus in the Bible? Who's Malchus? Marsha. Marsha is smart. (laughs) And Arun said... Hey, man. Hey, man. Oh, man. hey I'm giving <laughs> I'm giving you opportunities for, ki- for husbands to shine <laughs> she is smart you know Marcus was the name of the servant whose year was ok now this is a trick ok let me see if you can answer this Marcus was the name of the servant whose year was Year was? Year was? See, that's another uh, perspective that you need to have about uh, the gospel. Marcus was the name of the servant whose year was healed. See, because we have a picture of the troubles in life, right? Oh, he lost a year. Man, he got a year. He lost a dirty year and got a great new brand looking baby here. He <laughs> <laughs> started looking at ministry totally differently. Do you have a gospel of depression and sadness and sickness? Do you have, do, do? you write a book every time somebody dies? Mommy. You know? Do you write a book every time you go through trouble? No, no, no. God is... God, God is glorified to an extent of your endurance, but God is looking for greater works. He wants to know, be known as a God who healed Marcus, not the man who was cut off, right? The man who was healed. God wants you to do great works. And are you ready for great works? You're ready for great works. He wants you to do great works. Marcus, why do you think the name Marcus is written out there? Jordan, you got it. He's is valued. Marcus was valued. He was just one of the servants that Peter chopped off. Now Peter is thinking why did I chop off the guy? This guy's name is there for eternity. Oh, throughout eternity we all know Marcus. And when you go to heaven you'll know Marcus. We'll all seek out Marcus. And we'll, tr- we'll know the rest of the story. And how he became a believer and how he became a... Be- uh, stuff like... Do you think his life has not changed when he saw a year lying down and was connected back up? you think his life was not changed you boy his life would have been changed but his name was there not just one miracle miracle with a name there are going to be miracles with a name in your life and they are around you God is God told Moses I know you by name the word of God will bypass kingdoms the word of God will seek you out the word of God knows you The Bible, the God's promise to you is the eyes of the Lord are... Oh, wow, this is great. If you can write it down, I don't have time to expound. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, Sorry. Uh, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, and you all know this verse, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, seeking those on whose behalf He will show Himself strong. The eyes of the Lord are scanning through multitudes and people scanning to see who is who is willing to give me a chance to prove myself strong look at the verse the verse doesn't say who is strong who is holy who is righteous the eyes of the Lord are looking for people who who can showcase god's strength who gives him the ability to show off, that's why Peter Paul said, I had certain infirmities in life, but I rejoice in for infirmities because in my str- in my weakness, I'm made strong. Not because I'm going to stay in my weakness, because God is going to do a miracle and I can glorify Him. So He says, I'm looking for people. Are you weak? Are you, are you, are you do you need a miracle? You are a candidate for the eyes of God, and the Bible says. When you reach heaven, the throne room of God is surrounded by creatures who have eyes all over. What do you think those eyes are for? The eyes are for looking for people who want to make God strong on their behalf. Amen? The eyes are, of God are for a purpose. It is wandering to and fro. And we don't, have to, we don't have time to go into lessons, but it is deep. There are spirits, there are seven spirits in the earth that God has sent. 7 spirits Zechariah 4 chapter you go and break it down 7 spirits and 2 anointed cherubs that stand guard over the earth and these 7 spirits scan the earth day in and day out to see who will give God a chance to show himself strong they are scanning the earth don't be lost in the multitude see, see, see that God is seeking you out so you are not lost so don't ever count yourself as part of a crowd just because nobody recognizes you in church, nobody recognizes you as a leader, doesn't mean that God doesn't know you. His eyes is searching for you. He's looking for you, he's scanning you, he's scanning you, seeking you out. He's seeking you out. And finally, let me close with Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. What a wonderful chapter. I just discovered it today. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 is a, ch- is a chapter full of life teams. Say life teams. Life small, teams. Groups. small groups. Small churches. Small churches. Whole, the whole John chapters, uh, uh, Romans chapter 16 is full of small life teams, small church groups. I want you to go through it. Because if God took the time to put names in it, this is for a reason, Right? How many of you have been bored with gene- genealogy? After today's session, you will not be bored with genealogy. Because names are important. If names are important for God, it, it gives me confidence that my name is important to God, right? He remembers my name. It's not just a crowd in Jerusalem. It's not the temple in Jerusalem. It's not the great multitudes that are before the throne. It is the names that He knows. Look at John, uh, Romans chapter 16. He starts, he starts by introducing ph- Phobi. The sister, verse 3, greet Aquila Priscilla. My fellow workers in Aquila Priscilla had a small church in their house. Likewise, verse 5, greet the church that is in their house. Church, how how many people can meet in Aquila Priscilla's house? The houses then were small. Maybe what? Six people, seven people, ten people maximum in that house. And Paul calls it a church. He said, greet the church in Aquila and Priscilla's house. Greet it. Then go back. Verse 6, greet Mary, who labored much for us. Verse 7, greet Androkinus and Junia, who are of among the apostles who are in Christ before me. Greet Amphilus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ, and Stacey is my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household, those of Aristopolis. In fact, the word household is in italics in your Bible, Correct. Because I tell household was put in by the translators. What it means is greet everybody who is associated with that brother. That means he had his own small church, small group. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of Na- Narcassius who's in the Lord. Another group. Greet Tri- Triphenia and Triposa, who's labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much. Greet Rufus. Rufus? You're about Rufus? Maybe it's the same Rufus. Who knows? chosen in the Lord, his mother and mine, great, and syncretus, sounds like botanical names, (laughs) (laughs) Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them, what is it, brethren who are with them, again they had a small group, so it was not that one big Roman church, that Paul was writing to, He was writing this letter to small house groups all over. He's telling, greet them, greet them. And he doesn't miss their names. He knows their names. Paul knows their names. (laughs) And Paul was the greatest minister. He knew people's names. Why? Because Jesus knew people's names. When you stop knowing the names of the people, you have grown too big. I know it is politically inconvenient but (laughs) when you have grown when you don't know the names of the people you have grown too big you need to have a place where people know your names you minister elsewhere they were part of the congregation of the great church in fact he closes by saying the churches of Christ greet you because there is not one church these are all churches of Christ he says they all greet you but I know you by name I know you by name and God wants to exalt you God wants to connect God values your ministry on a one to one basis and do not underestimate it the enemy is a deceiver he thinks that you will only be successful if you can minister to many it's a lie Jesus in his lifetime ministered to 72 to 120 disciples only that's it disciples the great increase happened After Pentecost. Would Jesus never know the insecurity about his ministry? Never. Why should you and I? Just be responsible to that one in your life. Be responsible. God will connect you with more. He will do it. I'm telling you, there is so much revelation in this. There's so much revelation in what God is telling us. We will multiply. We'll do great things right now. God is going to do incredible things. And this is so... This is a chapter, as he said, this is a chapter of life to you. This is a chapter of the Church of Jesus Christ. This is, this is the only way the Church of Jesus Christ will grow in all the earth. As small groups. As people that you're connected with and as influence over. They're never going to... In fact, there was a, I, I, I attended a message once and the man uh, asked, he said, How many of you all came to know Jesus because of reading a book? And this was a crowd of about, uh, I would say about 50, uh, maybe about 6,000 people. How many of you all came to know Jesus because you read a book? Maybe there were like six hands or seven hands. How many of you all came to Jesus because you uh, saw a TV program? There is even less. He said, "How many of you all came to Jesus because somebody told you?" The vast majority in the in the in the audience conference hall lifted up their hands. The greatest way of impact with the gospel is one to one. And the enemy hates for you to have that revelation because he values one. Go and call a Peter. Go and call a lad and connect them to the source that is Jesus. Connect them to the source. And finally, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says, Do not despise the day of small things. I don't have time to expound on it, but Zerubbabel, there was no temple that time. And God said... I, Somebody needs to build a temple. Everybody is living in paneled houses and big houses. But my temple is in ruins. Can you all do something about my temple? One man, Zerubbabel said, Lord, I will build a temple. He has no money. He is no Solomon. He is no king. He is just an ordinary man. And he said, at least I will lay a foundation. I cannot build a temple. I will lay a foundation. God says, you got it. He says, and and people laughed. How do I know that people love? Because God said from heaven, He says, Tell, who says, who despises the day of small beginnings? He's saying, Who is laughing at my servant, Zerubbabel, just because he laid a foundation? Do you think the temple will won't come up, just like Solomon's temple? And And God starts prophesying to that stone, He says, Grace, grace to it. Why? He says, It's not by the might, it's by the spirit, that temple will be raised up. So Zerubbabel's temple, was the same temple, in which... The son of God was brought in as a baby boy. It was not in the temple of Solomon with all his glory. It was in the temple of Zerubbabel. It didn't have the glory of Solomon, but it had the anointing of the son of God. Amen? 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 He says, do not despise the day of small beginning. So do not despise how you start off. Because in your team will be the next anointed one. Who is going to change the world. In your team, in your life, in your office, the person that you minister to would be the next person that will change, that will flood heaven with his souls. Amen? God is good. God is a God of one. The God of abundance is a God of one. The God of abundance is a God who does not despise small beginnings. The God of abundance is a God who knows you by name. A God of abundance is a God who is responsible for you as one. God of abundance is a God who, is, who ministers to one. God of abundance is a God who values one, values one. and God of abundance is a God who sees the potential of one. He sees the potential of one. He sees potential of one. He sees potential of one. Hallelujah.